Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrini here with more coverage to get you ready for Survivor 30. And today we're going to talk about the things that Survivor Worlds Apart players should definitely have learned before they went to go play on Survivor 30. We're going to rehash all of this and hopefully this will exist for a long time as a resource for future Survivor players. So if you're a future Survivor player and you are listening to this, you are in the right spot because we're going to learn a lot here today with David Bloomberg, who was the founder of Reality News Online, which was a great site and had a lot of resources about Survivor all the way from back in the early days. So we're going to talk to David here on the show. Before we get to my interview with David, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of Rob is a Podcast. And those are the people who are bringing you American Crime. It's a new TV show coming to ABC. The premiere is 10 p.m. 9 central on ABC. Uh, the show is putting you in the position of seeing what life is like for people who have had a loved one who has been murdered, a daughter arrested or a child framed, all terrible things to think about. But where does the truth lie? One crime will affect so many lives in the television event of the year. Join film critic and radio personality Elvis Mitchell, who will be hosting the American Crime podcast as well, as he takes an in-depth look at the groundbreaking new television series, American Crime, premiering Thursday, March 5th at 10, 9 central on ABC. So each week, the podcast, in addition to the show, will feature candid conversations with the show's creator and executive producer, John Ridley, the Oscar-winning screenwriter of 12 Years a Slave, along with talent from the show discussing the latest episodes, storylines, and other timely topics. So go to podcastone.com slash American Crime to subscribe now. And now here's David Bloomberg on Rob Has a Podcast. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob here, and we have a very fun show today because uh, we're going to be talking with somebody who I've been trying to get on the podcast for the last couple of months, and we're finally about to do it. Uh, He is a man who is somebody who uh, I can relate to a lot. He ran a reality TV website called Reality News Online, which was a uh, very big deal uh, in its day. And they were covering Survivor all the way back from, I believe, the beginning. But we're going to find out from David exactly what was going on. They did a bunch of great stuff. And they one of the things that was really fantastic that I used to read, even from before I was on Survivor, and I'll talk about that, is an article called What the Insert Season of the Survivor Survivors Should Have Learned by This Point. And we're going to talk about that in regards to Survivor 30. Here he is, Mr. David Bloomberg. David, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah. Very excited to do this, David. Me too. Me too. Yes. And David, thank you uh, for coming on. Um, I know you know this, but uh, the What Survivors uh, Should Have Learned article was very important to me. I, I loved it. I had a printout of it and I was uh, studying my cheat sheet before i went into the game in survivor the amazon i had it with me uh in, in the ponderosa looking at it like in the nights that uh when i used to sleep in a hammock before we started the game and uh it's always a great piece well great thank you yes yeah. and so david thank you again for uh for coming on i know uh, we've been talking about this since the uh, last season i was like well let's try to do this for the preseason so i'm excited to uh to have you on so uh, David, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what Reality News Online was and how you got into that? Sure. Um, 
it started, we, our first article on Reality News Online itself was actually uh, in the second season. I think it was Why Tell Lost. Yes. You remember Tell. Um, and I had started writing about Survivor before that. Uh, just to be completely honest, what had happened was I was writing about a number of other things. This was in the internet heyday when people thought that ads would, you know, drive the whole world. And uh, there was a site called Theme Stream, and it paid you per impression. So people would just write their articles, post them there, and you'd get paid per impression, an amount that was absolutely not sustainable. Um, but they apparently didn't know that at the time. And I was reading, you know, Survivor was on. I was reading some articles about Survivor on there, and I thought, God, these are terrible. I could just do so much better than this. And so I started writing about it and, um, you know, started getting links from uh, different places like Survivor News and Survivor Fever and sites like that. And it just went from there until ThemeStream went bust because they ran out of investor money, which anyone could have seen coming. Yes. Um, jumped to another uh, organization that had set up websites. It was, uh, they had set up websites under different names. So in a way, I had my own site. But it was Reality News Online. Um, it you know, set the basic format there. And then when they similarly went out of business, we were able to buy the, uh, the domain name and, and keep it going as a separate website. Okay, so... Really, um, Survivor is sort of born in the same era as sort of like the tech bubble, sort of like Pets.com like era where there's all these sort of like uh, internet uh, startups that really uh, seem like they were making you know money hand over fist, but it was uh, more sort of just uh, more on paper than in reality, right? Right. I mean, you know, the, like I said, the, the amount that they were paying per impression, per person who was reading an article was ridiculous. You don't even see anything like that in today's online world. Right. Um, and, you know, but there were plenty of us who knew it was ridiculous, but were willing to ride it out until they went out of sure. business. And, and uh, you know, I think they went out of business. Uh, they owed me in particular about three grand. Yeah. Um, and I know they owed probably hundreds of thousands of dollars, but, you know, that's what happens when you have a, an unsustainable uh, business plan. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you started with the article, Why Kel Lost? And I mentioned the what blank survivors should have learned. But uh, there also was after each person got kicked off, you guys would write an article which referenced the rules from the what survivors uh, should have learned of why this person lost, why this person lost, and ultimately why this person won. And I know that that was always... Uh, not even for you know my seasons. It was always fun to go and read. Okay, why did this person lose? What were the violations of the rules set out from the beginning as to see why they lost? Right, right. And uh, you know, I had started writing that after the very first season. I actually it actually first appeared in a newspaper that I had written some articles for, and I said, hey, you know this new show Survivor. You want uh, want an article on that? And they said, sure. So I wrote it there and then moved it over to the web and uh, it, you know, grew through uh, through the seasons as we had more and more examples. OK. And so um, as the site continued to grow, I know uh, you became more and more involved in the survivor community. 
and we even uh, got to meet at these Survivor Amazon uh, finale, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we we met at the uh, after party when I uh, managed to sneak in. And uh, <laughs> so you were an uninvited guest at the Survivor Amazon. Uh, I was. Finale. I was. They they invited me to the finale. They you know uh, CBS. Uh, invited me to the finale, and I'd actually gone to the uh, previous finale in Los Angeles. But when I got there and I realized there were all these parties going on that I knew nothing about, uh, I resolved, you know, for for your season to find a way in. And uh, so I did. I, you know, had bumped into various people. I uh, um, actually uh, had gotten a little bit lost in New York, and we were trying to find the entry to the uh, to the theater for the finale and bumped into Matthew, who was also a little bit lost. And so t- together we, we found our way. You know? That was my experience too with him also. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, I saw you, uh, uh, as I recall, I saw you, it was in a nightclub where you could barely hear. And, uh, you said, hello, David, why did I lose? Yes. <laughs> yes. Why did I, I still want to know? <laughs> and uh, at the time, I think it, I said it was because you fell off a balance beam. Yes. Um, but not very satisfying, but that was all I could come up with. So, yes. Very um, unsatisfying. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, Jenna and Heidi were a little less happy to see me. Um, I mean, they were very nice about it, but uh, uh, it seemed that almost everyone your season had, had been reading reality news online. Uh, you know, Christy's mom came up and gave me a hug. Um, uh, I knew Daniel. Um, and, uh, um, I, you know, you introduced me to Jenna and, you know, she was uh, mock upset with me. I think it was mock. Um, and, uh, and then I saw Heidi and, uh, Heidi was taking pictures with various people. I took a picture with her and then I turned around and introduced myself and she was also mock, maybe upset with me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Look, neither of them should have been upset about anything uh, <laughs> you wrote. All right. And and so ultimately, uh, you know, reality news online uh, con- continued on uh, to a point. And, and what ultimately and ended up, uh, you guys uh, went on to cover more and more shows. You guys got into covering, uh, you know, Big Brother and Amazing Race and all sorts of other stuff, right? Oh, yeah. We, we were covering as much as we could. Uh, those shows, The Bachelor, American Idol. Um, you know, any, any show that we could get someone to cover, uh, with the, you know, exception of like housewives shows or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we would, we would do our best to cover it. Yes. And you guys had a reality TV hall of fame, correct? Yes. We had a hall of fame. We had a hall of shame (laughs) as well. Yes. Uh, So, uh, you know, people who quit survivor or went home with, uh, idols in their pockets, uh, often found themselves in the hall of shame. Yeah. Did the people in the reality TV hall of shame, were they, uh, were they happy to hear that the uh, hall of shame was taken down? Uh, I didn't usually hear from those people. They were, they were generally not the people who uh, frequently corresponded with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and so ultimately uh, what ended up happening? Uh, why uh, did uh, reality news online ultimately end up running its course? Well, um, you know, for a while we were in our heyday. We were actually mentioned uh, Entertainment Weekly had uh, had a thing, you know, the top 100 websites on the web, and we were in there. And then just as the years passed, 
uh, things would happen like other reality TV contestants would set up their own website. <laughs> Wait, what? You're blaming me? <laughs> well, partially, you know. Um, not just you. There was there was a couple others. Um, the, the web became a much bigger place. Uh, it became much easier for anybody to start a blog. Um, and as such, when we would lose writers, because you know, they, they had lives. Um, it was harder to get new writers because so many new writers were already writing for either their own blog or some right. other blog. Um, and the ad market, as I'm sure you well know, uh, went down, you know, uh, several years ago, more than several years ago and, uh, never, never came back up again. Uh, really, at least in the, in the way that it was at the time. Um, and it was just taking more and more of my own personal time. I had, you know, a, a full-time job. I had two kids. Well, still have two kids. Good. Um, Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and it was hard to work a full-time job and work, you know, two hours in the morning before that job and work another three to four hours in the evening after that job. Right. Um, and our software had not advanced uh, as much as I had hoped it would. Um, and then podcasts came along and, you know, that was a, a whole, a whole new world as, as well, you know. Um, and so it was just slowly becoming more and more of a time drain, right. Uh, to the point that, you know, I had started thinking about closing the site down for a little while. Unfortunately, that was hastened uh, by the complete crash of my hard drive on my computer that ran everything right. for reality news online. Uh, obviously, you know, the web stuff was on a server, but this had everything that I used. Yes. And um, unfortunately, a lot of it was not recoverable. And so it, it dragged on, you know, days turned into a couple weeks and um, it was near the end of a, of a survivor season. And it just kind of more or less made up my mind that, okay, you know, this, this has to be it. And it was it divine intervention. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't end the way I wanted it to. Uh, um, you know, I would have liked to, you know, kind of have a, a going away, goodbye situation, but uh, it just came to a, a much quicker end than expected. Yes, uh, I, something I can relate to uh, in terms of my survivor experiences. So yeah. uh, I, can, <laughs> I can sympathize. Um, now, David, is it true that our, our good friend AJ Mass also uh, was a writer on Reality News Online at one point? AJ was, and you have someone else, at least one or two other people uh, who, who uh, write, write for you that used to be on Reality News Online. Who was it? Can you name names? I can't. Sarah. Sarah. Yes. yes. Uh, great Sarah Freeman. So um, that's the main one. There was, uh, um, uh, you know, possibly one or two others, but uh, I'm not 100% certain. Yeah. Um, so. All right. Well, I'm very excited to uh, talk to you again because I, you know, you know, I loved all the stuff. So I want to talk today about what the survivors should have learned coming into season 30 because I'm sure there's a whole, you know, generation of survivor fans that may not even be familiar with any of this people that have really become big fans of the show in the last two or three years. 
um, and don't have this experience of, of knowing this stuff. So it'll be a reset for some people. It'll be totally new for other people. And maybe we'll find uh, things along the way that maybe we can uh, tweak a little bit from the last uh, couple seasons or so. So, all right, let's start. What's the first thing a season 30 survivor should know at this point? Well, okay, before we get to the, you know, kind of official rules, the first thing is, for God's sakes, watch the previous episodes, watch the previous seasons. Uh, like you said, there are, there are new people coming in um, and, you know, they've watched one or two seasons, sometimes only because that's all CBS may have provided to them. But they think that things have to be done a certain way. You know, you watch Tony's season, uh, Kagiyan, and you think to win, you have to play like Tony, and, and that's insane. Um, you know, <laughs> Tony's insane, but... Uh, um, so He's eclectic. Get, yes, eclectic. There, there we go. Um, you, you need to have a much bigger picture. Um, you know, I've seen recently on Twitter, and by no means do I, uh, I have any disrespect for Natalie, but I see people posting on Twitter, Natalie's the best winner ever. Right, And I just want to say to them, really, really, out of 29 seasons, she's the best winner ever? <laughs> now, maybe there are people who have that opinion. I think she was a, a good winner, certainly the best possible winner out of the way that season turned out. And she played well. But it just shows, like you said, there's a whole generation here, um, which you know obviously makes me feel old. Um, but when, this, when we've been going on for 30 seasons... There can't. There are things to learn from early on. Yeah, so, that's and the first thing. Also, it's never been easier to watch the older seasons of Survivor. I mean, in the beginning, it used to be, oh, I got to get VHS tapes from somebody, <laughs> and then eventually, then some of them were on DVD, and it's like I got to go, I, I got to go get the DVD. But now, I mean, we live in a world where, you know, there's the CBS app where you could stream all 30 of the seasons. There's things like Hulu uh, where you can stream all the seasons that you could stream them on Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, you can buy them on iTunes. So there's so many different ways that you could watch the past seasons of Survivor. And if you're a contestant who is going on the show at this point and you don't watch, even if you're a recruit and you don't watch at least four or five seasons of the show, then you're just... uh, a lazy person. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, but even, even back when you had to get DVDs, the DVDs did exist, you know, at least for a while. Yes. And they still exist. They still exist. I I may still have a bunch of them. (laughs) Um, it's possible that I bought a TiVo that had a DVD writer back in the day just for that purpose. Yes. Um, Yes. All right. So uh, is that officially rule number one, or that's just a preamble of, You, the first thing you need to know is watch older seasons. Yeah, that's just the, the preamble. Um, the first and most important rule is, as it always has been and as it always will be, and that is scheme and plot. Scheme and plot. Scheme and plot. Um, and, you know, early on, it, it's not so much the case now, but early on, a lot of people came into Survivor thinking, oh, it's a survival situation. You know, we have to survive the elements and and, uh, you know, we have to go fishing and hunting and, and things like that. But that's really not what the game is about. Um, a perfect example of this is Ozzy. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in Cook Islands. Everybody, uh, you know, Ozzy was just great when it came to physical things. But when I talked to him after the game, the first time, he, he said to me, 
I didn't do enough politicking and I did too much fishing. Okay. And, and that, that sums it up, you know? Um, so people need to learn this and they need to do it from the very beginning. They, they need to start making alliances right away. And, and it can be difficult. You know, it's hard to know who you can trust. Uh, after just a couple days, we saw that as far back as season two, uh, uh, Kel and uh, if you remember Mad Dog. Uh, how can I forget uh, Mad Dog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a leg up. You've just rewatched, you know, all these I, seasons. Here. Well, yeah, I do have a. I'm in a good place to do this. Right. Um, so Cal. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and but but you need to do it, or else you're gone. And you can rework your alliances later. But for right now, use whatever relationships. Uh, present themselves. So if, if you're if, if you've got a couple of cops in the game, you've got a couple of firemen in the game. Make an alliance. If you're both from the same state, make an alliance. Although this season, if they do that, half the people would be in an alliance together since they're all from California. But yeah. Um. So, so they need to seek that out. I mean, you can't be pushy about it, but you need to look for good opportunities. And um, the flip side of that is if someone comes to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to uh, steal a line from the Ghostbusters here. Yes. When someone asks you if you want to align, you say yes. Yes, always say yes. Yes, never say no. Never say you want to think about it, or else you won't have time to think about it. Yes. Um, so, so just forge those bonds immediately. And you know, there's been a number of examples over the year. Um, JT and Steven from Token Team. They made an alliance that everybody was kind of scratching their heads about uh, very early. Stuck to it the whole way. Yeah. Obviously worked out a little bit better for JT than Stephen. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, you know, uh, back in Vanuatu, you had the, uh, on the men's tribe, you had older men and younger men. And the younger men were content just to sit around and expect to, you know, carry themselves to the finals. Uh, the older men made an alliance and got rid of the younger men. Yes. The the, uh, the fat five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but poor, but, but poor Chad. I, I don't even remember Chad. I have to. <laughs> well, he wasn't fat. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains it. Yeah. You got lumped um, in. Yeah. Um, you had Siri, who, when she... Uh, or, or is it pronounced Siri? I <laughs> I go with Siri. If you say Siri, Siri then everybody's phones are going to start going right, off. That's a good point. Okay. So Siri, um, you know, she showed up and when she was there, she talked about being afraid of leaves. Yeah. I mean, we were watching this going, how is this woman going to survive? But you know what she did? She made alliances and she stuck around instead of someone who could have actually helped them build a shelter, start a fire, get food, because alliances are just that much more important. Yes. A um, couple more examples, uh, Becky and Cook Islands made an early alliance with Yule. They made it to the final three. Um, in Samoa, uh, you had an early alliance that was tight enough that they went into the merge as a minority, but they were four of the final five and all of the final three uh, because Russell just, he made all those alliances. Now he made more than he needed and he got rid of those he didn't need as the game went on. Yeah. Um, you know, Tony, in, in Kagiyan, he made early alliances and then discarded them with necessary, or I don't know if necessary is the right word, when, when he felt like it. Um, and uh, we also saw 
uh, just last season, Natalie uh, made an early alliance with Muffin. Yes. And, and uh, you know, that lasted the entire game, even though Natalie had other alliances that she more likely intended to be the main one. Yeah. Um, now, on the flip side, what about the people who, who didn't do this? So there were some people who said, oh, I was waiting until we, we lost a challenge, you know, and then I started talking to people or I didn't know who to trust. So I, I didn't talk to anyone early on. Um, one example, uh, Nina from One World, who I barely remember, but when, when, when she talked to me after being voted out, she was surprised how fast an alliance had formed. She said, uh, we hadn't even hit the beach. And they had already aligned and knew each other by first name and nicknames. Um, she was w- waiting to see what the strengths and weaknesses were. Right. You can't do that. Yes, you may have a regret. You may say, oh my gosh, who am I stuck with here? But if it gets you further in the game and you can rework it later, you know, you do that. Um, a slightly more well-known person than Nina, Jimmy Johnson. Yes. He screwed this up too. Uh, when he did post-show interviews, he said, I really thought when it came to the point I could form some alliances, but I wanted to get into the game a little ways to see who I could trust and bond with and go the distance with. He waited too long, and, you know, that was it. Then all you had is uh, this. <laughs> yeah, the taboo buzzer. Very good. Very good. Uh, so... I, I like the way that you're phrasing this, and I don't know if I ever uh, thought about it like uh, quite like this, but the game starts, and it's like, it's musical chairs, and the music is on, and it's like, boy, I better, you know, pair up with somebody. I gotta get get with somebody, because uh, that music could stop at any second, and it doesn't even matter if I'm with the wrong people. Um, it's just more important that I'm with people. Is that is that fair to right. say? Right. Uh, um, certainly you want to be with the numbers. Um, you know, back in, back in Fiji, there was a very tight alliance of three people in a nine person alliance. You know, that math doesn't work out. Yes. Um, three equals so, three into nine equals out. That's yes. right. Um, <laughs> so you want to be with the numbers, um, and, uh, and make sure that, you know, your name isn't being one of the ones tossed around. Yeah. Um, you know, later on you can, you can move along. I mean, sometimes people stay with their, their initial tribal alliance. Um, some, move, you know, uh, uh, move on. Um, way back, and I, I don't think we would see this happen now, but way back in the day um, when uh, Jerry was voted out of the Outback. Yes. Amber should have realized, okay, wait a minute. They just voted out my you know, best pal. I'm going to flip. Right. And if she had flipped, she would have taken the numbers with her, but she didn't. And I think it's because it was so early in the game. People just didn't think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nowadays, you can't get away with voting someone out early, you know, like that and not having someone flip. But, but the point is, you know, you don't have to stay true to your tribal alliance. Um, just, and, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but, um, you know, and obviously Amber made up for that, uh, in, in all stars. Uh, but, uh, but you, you need to keep an eye on the pecking order. If, if you're not near the top, it's, it's time to flip. Right. And even if that means going against the people you've been aligned with, you know, for the entire game up to that point. The other part of that, I also feel like is that, 
You know, there's a lot of players who have the mentality, the Sandra mentality of anybody but me. And if you're not one of the people who's aligned with anybody, you make yourself an easy target for a first vote of it's like, well, you know, David, I don't see him. I mean, he's not with anybody and nobody is going to bat for you because you're not with anybody to the start off the game. And it could make you a very uh, easy target for an easy first vote. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, but once, and then, you know, later in the game, as we said, you can, you can move along. Um, as a matter of fact, my, my next example is about you. Uh, <laughs> you make, make a couple appearances here. Um, you know, you, Alex and Matthew, you pretended to be part of the all male tribal Alliance, but you were trying to get rid of Roger and Dave. Um, and, uh, you know, then it, it happened again, you know, Rafe did something similar in Guatemala. He planned to go with Danny, but he was convincing his tribe mates he was, he was their ally. Um, you, you have to, obviously, people in your original alliance need to still think you're with them while you're, you know, going ahead and, and scheming behind their back. One of the best items to note in, in a similar fashion was back in Thailand, uh, Brian Heideck. Yes. Um, and he did a variation on this theme. Um, he had a tribal alliance, but he had a sub-alliance, well, a number of sub-alliances with others that no one else was aware of. So he had a pact with Clay. He had a pact with Ted. He had a pact with Helen. Jan was along for the ride and all of them. <laughs> um, yeah. Everyone was happy and secure because the, they thought they had a finals alliance until he got them voted out. And it let him work his way through, ending up taking Clay to the end and beating him. But if people on, you know, the jury had, had hated Helen more, he could have taken Helen. He, he could have switched it up. He had all these options for alliances. And when he did it at the time, it was, you know, a new way to play the game. We've seen people do similar things like that, although I don't know if anyone was ever as successful as him in keeping people from talking to each other. Yeah. Um, because if they had talked to each other, he'd have been dead meat. Um, so, <laughs> yes. so, and you know, we saw Boston Rob using uh, similar strategies uh, at one time or another, you know, forbidding people from talking. And, um, and uh, so it, it has worked to one degree or another along the way, these multiple sub-alliances. And we also saw it, uh, uh, Chris, at the end of Vanuatu, he had alliances with Twilight Scout, and he had an alliance with Julian Eliza. Right. Uh, made them both feel secure, and then got rid of Julian Eliza. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so we, we've seen this along the way. Of course, more recently, we saw it with Tony. Um, you know, he had alliances, sub-alliances. He bounced around like a pinball between them. I wouldn't say it was strategic to the Brian Heideck level, but he, he had options, we'll say. He kept his options open. Okay. He kept so, his, yeah. So, all right. The first rule that the survivors need to learn is that they should go ahead and scheme and plot. So you want to just go out there and just scheme and plot your face off the whole time and then you'll win, right? Well, you know, almost, almost. Um, it, it doesn't always work, as um, you know. Uh, <laughs> there are other there are other things going on, um, but beyond that, just the second rule uh, is don't do it too much. Oh, so, okay, yeah, Got I, it. Know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> don't scheme and plot too much. Right, right. 
And then, you know, kind of uh, subheadings on that is keep your scheming secret and don't backstab till you absolutely need to. Um, and so it's a fine line. Uh, if, if you do nothing but scheme and plot and you scheme and plot with everybody, they'll know who you are and they'll turn on you. You know, a few particular examples. Um, Eric in Micronesia. Now, Eric yes. was known for many things in Micronesia. Um, but some people forget he tried to scheme with the four women in the alliance. And even Amanda noted, you know, did you really think they wouldn't talk? Yes. Um, and, and he was the outsider. So he was trying to scheme individually with people who were already in a group together. And he didn't even do any sort of damage control, like saying, hey, I'm going to talk to this other person and pretend that we're real. But, you know, you and I are the real alliance. Now, I don't think any of them would have bought it anyway. And he showed he was not exactly um, strategically brilliant in other ways. But, um, yeah. I know a lot of people just think of him with the necklace, but he got himself into such a bad situation with his uh, scheming and plotting too much that he thought that that was going to be a Hail Mary that was going to sort of get him out of that bad situation that he got himself in, which basically he's in a a situation there in that final five, which is somewhat similar to what you just described with Chris in Vanuatu. And in some ways he had it easier than Chris in Vanuatu because at that point, those guys are all thinking that it's going to be a final three in Micronesia, where Chris is looking at what could potentially be a final two that he's trying to sell to uh, Twilight and Scout or Julie and Eliza. So if Eric could have potentially kept his story straight and, and picked out, you know, what the two pairs of two were um, and then, you know, try to get each side to try to take him. But I think that they just both uh, everybody just felt that maybe he was going to be somebody who the guys would have voted for on the jury. Right, right. Um, now, I have to say that uh, back in, uh, in, in the Amazon, uh, a number of people thought that you were voted out because of this reason. Yes. But, but I, I say no. I've always said no. No. Not just because I'm talking to you. That's right. Um, <laughs> yes, you were scheming and plotting a lot. Yes, everyone knew it. But you managed to make them think that you were being honest with them. Um, (laughs) Other people have done this. John did it in Pearl Islands. Um, Boston Rob did it a couple times. Of course, probably the best known to any reality TV viewer is Dr. Will from Big Brother. Yes. Uh, You know, no matter how much he lied and no matter how much he said, I am going to lie to you, people would still think he was being honest with that particular person. Yes. Um, And and so, uh, so you did not lose because of that i, I just want to uh, reassure you thank you thank you i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate that and, no, and dr will i i think still i thought is the best reality show person of all time i think i think he's the the best that's ever played anything and you know i had just watched his season when i went and played on uh survivor the amazon and i think that he is uh really just uh the best of the best yeah oh, i definitely agree um now Here's one that you may think you may question when I say this, but I'm going to Christy from your season. Christy. Yes. Now you wouldn't normally think of her as plotting and scheming too much. Right. Because she didn't do it through most of the game. Yes. But what happened? She was approached by the two different alliances and she refused to make a promise to either one. Yeah. So she was essentially, you know, in your mind, in everybody's mind, she was was holding out 
which equates to, to doing it too much. If you're not going to give a promise, then nobody can trust you. It, it all circles back to that. And so, of course, uh, you know, to tell you, you guys joined together and, and voted her out. Yeah. Um, what's worse, and this goes back to the whole situation of watching previous seasons, Dolly did the same thing on Vanuatu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it's good to be a swing vote, but it's bad to be a swing vote who won't tell anyone where they're swinging. Right. And I think had Christy just told me yes, but also told the girls yes, like uh, I, I don't think there would have been an issue for her. I think right. she, all she had to do was even if she w- wasn't going to, she was going to vote with the girls and force a tie. If she just tells us, like, no, guys, don't worry, I'm with you, and tells the girls, like, don't worry, I'm with, I'm with you, then figure it out later. She could figure it out. Think about it up until the last second. But it was, you know, just not telling either side what she wanted to do was the big problem. Right, exactly. And, I mean, we see in, in more recent seasons, people seem more willing to do that. Just say yes to both and figure it out later. And, you know, then the producers use that to build suspense, leading to tribal counsel. Yeah. Um, I think that in Survivor Kagiyan, I think Sarah got into that uh, a bit as well at the merge. Right, right. Again, people need to learn from history. And so, so anyway, then you, you, like you said, you need to just, just lie to them. If, even, if, even if you have made up your mind, say yes to both and lie to them and never tell people that you're going to vote them out. Uh, yeah. You know, historically, some people have said, well, I wanted to be nice to them or whatever. No, who cares? Be nice to them later. Apologize later. Lie to them. Vote them off. If you alert them to their impending doom, it gives them time to plot a counterattack. Um, again, uh, going back to your season, your old pal Alex did this. He told you, hey, Rob, I'm going to vote for you. V- vote you out in the final four. What? Why would you ever tell someone that? Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, as I, I think I said at the time, he, he not only told you he was planning to backstab you, he took out the knife and he showed it to you. Yeah, um, it was a front stab. Or it was a yeah. potential front stab. Um, and had he just kept his mouth shut, then you wouldn't have gone after him. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, these days, it seems, um, it, it's a trend in Survivor that we don't have to worry about this quite as much because people want the blind side. They want the hashtag blind side there. Um, and so, you know, that's what people have been watching in more recent seasons. So you don't have people being nice very often anymore. It's right. not as much of an issue, but trends come and go and, and you just never know who you're going to get on. Um, you might get some, you know, no collar person who decides that they, they want to be nice to the universe and, and uh, not that I'm stereotyping no collar people or anything. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, let people know ahead of time. It's just a bad idea. You know, just stab them in the back, blindside them, worry about it when you get to the, in front of the jury. Explain it. Then. Yeah, the survivor um, that I think most of when we talk about this is that I feel like this is the trademark Lex move of the people that you are going to vote them out. It's sort of like, you know, the thing to be a good guy to let them know, hey, it's going to be you tonight. So you're not surprised. And I feel like uh, that has had mixed results, I feel like. Yeah. um, As I recall, he he told Clarence, he um, 
you know, it sort of partially told Kelly. Um, and yeah, it's just never give anyone a heads up. Yeah. Ethan in the all stars also. And right. I mean, it's just like, there's no upside to it. You know, I sort of like equate it to, uh, not that I am, you know, in any sort of like meat trade, but I feel like uh, if you were going to like slaughter an animal, meat, you're not a meat collector. Yeah, I'm not a meat collector. <laughs> but if you were going to like if you had a chicken or a cow or something, you know, on a farm, you know, ideally you just want to sort of just like one swift thing and then it's over. And, you know, the more you drag it out, I just feel like it gets very sloppy. Right, right especially uh, pre-merge um, and even post-merge because especially in the post hidden immunity idol era of survivor. I mean, the more you call your shot, the more you set yourself up for that plan to be thwarted. Right. Right. So is uh, it, this is all part of still don't scheme and plot too much. Right. And it, like I said, it also has the, you know, the subheading don't backstab till you act or till you absolutely need to and, and keep your scheming secret. And, Part of, uh, you know, the keeping the scheming secret, you also have to be very careful because, um, you know, the producers obviously want to create drama. And uh, if you recall the row two four in yes. the Marquesas, they fell prey to the uh, to the immunity challenge where you had to chop the coconuts of the other players. And they thought they had it made. And and. In that challenge, they showed what the order was going to be as far as they were concerned for the rest of the game. They might as well have written down their plans on paper. Yeah. And and because they didn't keep it secret, because they made it obvious, um, uh, Pascal and Nalia, they saw they weren't part of that core alliance. And so they had to flip. And the row two four ended up being the ones chopped down. Um, these challenges come up time and time again. We saw it last season. Um, you know, this was the one, of course, that the core Alliance just decided who would win. After yes. Probst got fed up with them. That's their move. Yeah. Um, so in, in most cases, you, you just have to avoid that trap. Yeah. Um, and, and it can be hard. It can be hard to, you know, go after someone who you feel you're aligned with, but that's part of keeping it secret. Uh, there's always a corollary to a corollary, right? You, you can't keep it. You have to keep it secret, but you can't keep it so secret that uh, when you get to the end and you're in front of the jury, your partner takes credit for everything like JT did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's happened a couple times, but most notably, I think, with JT and Steven, where everybody saw JT, so they gave him the credit, uh, even though they were you know, pretty much equal partners there. Yeah. Um, you know, Survivor, in a lot of ways, I think is like sort of like doing like uh, magic tricks. It's like, you know, for everything to work. You know, you have to have people thinking like, okay, now watch what I have here in my right hand. And, you know, you have the fake plans that are going on and, and the things you want people to be believing. But really what's going on is what you're doing with your left hands. And so there's like all sorts of like illusion. But then when you get to the final tribal council, you really need to be able to show everybody how you did the trick. Right. And Pull so, back the right. And so what really happened, you know, was this and, and was this. And, you know, you also have to be able to articulate that. And it also has to be believable to the people that are on the jury. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I say all this and you have, to, as you said, you have to be able to explain it on the jury. But during the game, 
you really don't want to be seen as the one making too many of the decisions. Right. Because how many times have we heard players say, we need to cut off the head of the snake? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, even all the way back to Richard Hatch, he allowed his alliance the illusion of thinking they were helping to make the decisions of who would go. Um, you know, uh, Parvati in Micronesia did that too. She had multiple alliances. She stepped back and kind of, you know, let them fight it out amongst themselves while she stayed on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can direct things without directing it because, you know, nobody likes the, uh, the, the person who's acting like they're too much in control. And I think it'll be interesting to see this season because, you know, the stereotype of the white collar is, you know, they're, they believe themselves to be the decision makers and the leaders, and they're going to have a whole tribe of them. It'll be interesting to see who really does make the decisions, who steps back and says, well, I'll let them take the lead and then get rid of them later. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing to me about the three tribes is that, you know, instead of just being, you know, the two sides of, you know, obviously there's a leader on the, on this side and whatever side comes into the merge with numbers, you say, OK, let's pick off the leader of the other group, sort of like Survivor Pearl Islands. We know Andrew Savage is in charge of this group, so we vote him out and then these guys are going to be done for. Um, with three tribes, there could be three potential people that are emerging as the leaders of the group, and it makes it a much more messy situation not a sticky situation, a messy situation once you get to the merge. Like, anything could happen. Right, right. So, uh, just to, uh, I think, wrap up the, the open scheming part, uh, another couple things um, are you don't want to form yourself into obvious duos or couples. Whether, you know, we've seen in the past, we've, we've seen people get together due to love or lust. We've seen people get together as a father-daughter. Um, you know, whatever. An open partnership is begging to be split up except last year, but that was special. Um, and, uh, another thing about, uh, open scheming is you don't want to be, we saw this a long time ago. We saw this more recently in a little different way. Um, in the Marquesas, uh, you may remember Peter, probably no one else will. Um, Oh, come on. Give Peter Harkin (laughs) some credit. (laughs) He, he, didn't want there to be secrets. He wanted everyone to talk openly about, you know, who should get the boot. Well, what happened? He got the boot. Um, you know, more recently, Kagian Garrett, uh, he kind of did the opposite. Nobody talk. Uh, you know, nobody can scheme. No one, you know, and instead they turned on him. So just let people do what people are going to do. Keep it secret and, and, and let it go. Um, and then, you know, as we said before, when you need to backstab someone, wait till the end, um, unless you're Tony. And, and <laughs> you know, that he, he's something of an exception. Um, honestly, it's, it's still not entirely clear to me how he managed to make it through. There were times when I, I watched and he, he got rid of someone. And I know you and Steven were the same way. Oh, he never should have done that. He's dead now. And, and I was thinking the same thing. You know, what's he doing? And then he just he made it through. Now, some people say it's his skill at reading people. I don't know. I have my doubts about that. I, I think it was part luck, part his eclecticness, uh, as, as you called it. Um, but basically, no matter how he did it, nobody should count on being able to duplicate that. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just think he, well, he, he was one of a kind, you know, yeah. you could sort of like take it apart like a million different ways of like, well, this shouldn't have happened, but it yeah. did. And I think that uh, it's just goes to show, you know, the game can unfold any number of ways. And it's so, it's so unpredictable, especially when you have a person who is just like moving that fast out there. I think there is like a little bit of like a, you know, blitz to his game. Also, it's just like he moves so fast that the other players are just sort of like stopped in their tracks a little bit because you don't know what he's going to do next. Right, right. So that that wraps up that that second rule. Okay. Um, now moving on to the third, it's kind of you know goes along with those two, and we've discussed it somewhat. And that is, you got to be flexible. Be flexible. You know, it's, it, it's like Aris and Vetus. Uh, not that type of flexible. Oh. Not not like Reed either. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, um, but uh, although certainly, you know, that can have benefits and uh, different challenges. Yes. Um, um, and what that is, and this is something I used to, in the article, I used to put it in like headline font, big bold letters. You cannot simply tie yourself to one alliance and hope it survives. And we saw that a lot in the early goings. Um, people would just say, oh, I'm in my alliance. Uh, you know, I'm good to go. And that doesn't always work. You need a backup alliance. You need a sub alliance. You need a side alliance. You need anything you can do because things don't always go as planned. Um, once in a while, the whole alliance makes it forward. It does happen. And you may get there. You may be dragged along because you're going to get second or third place. But, you know, this is about winning. And so you should have multiple alliances. Um, couple people who did this well, you know, names I've already mentioned here, Parvati, Russell. Um, Parvati was almost always in control of what was going on. She was able to choose her final opponents, essentially. essentially. Uh, Russell on Samoa did the same thing. Now, of course, you know, you had to play a better social game and be able to read the jury, but um, he maintained a great deal of flexibility early on by making alliances with almost everyone. The tribe leaned a certain way. He could either sway them or go with them and get rid of that person and move on with a different alliance. Yeah. He did that um, in Heroes versus Villains, too, of that, you know, he was right. sort of with Parvati and Danielle. And then at a certain point, he's realized that that was not the way he wanted to go. And then he tried to get something going with Colby and Rupert. And so he doesn't care. Right. And it, part of it is you just you need to have your finger on the pulse of every member of your tribe, which which isn't easy. But, um you know, after I spoke to Parvati after Micronesia, I said, you know, this was a question that I frequently asked the, the players. I said, what did you see on TV that surprised you? And she laughed and, and she said, I knew pretty much everything that was going on all the time. I was very good about being everywhere at once. And that's what you need to do. She was always the blindsider, never the blindsided. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the type of flexibility that you need to take. Now, there's there's a second type of flexibility as well, especially in the early game, um, which is just kind of go with the flow. If, if your tribe wants to build a shelter in a certain way, go along with them, even if you think it's the dumbest idea ever. Even, even if, if Rupert wants to yes. dig a hole in the ground, you should go with it? Yes, you should. If Rupert has all the others along with him. Trust me, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, swimming pool shelter whatever yes. um um 
So you don't want to be the one saying, no, that's not the way you should do it. Because in the early going, you stand out. And that's the last thing you want to do. Yes. Um, So. No, it happens uh, a lot where it's like, and everybody is like, okay, working on the shelter. And then um, if you're the person that's like, I think we should work on the fire right now. We need to, I I really think that's the most important priority or like we really, we need to be fishing. I, I I need to go fishing. I think that was Jed in Thailand. Everybody's working mm-hmm. on the shelter, and he says, "Uh, you know, we should be uh, looking for food right now. That's the top priority. Uh, go with the flow on the priorities." Right, and I mean, it's certainly okay to suggest it, but if everyone else says no, this is what we should do, then you go with them. Right, and, uh, and you know, there is no there are no bonus points given for being correct. Yes. Or if everybody's saying like, "Hey, we need to, we should rest for the challenge," and you're the one person, no, we need to work. On, we need to work today. Right. It's a good day right. to work. Right. You know. So read the room. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's important. So that was a bit of a shorter one because it mostly, you know, relates to the others. Um, yes. The, the next one we move on to a different uh, a different type of uh, thought, and that is uh, the fourth rule: don't let your emotions control you. Good one. And this is both, you know, positive and negative, and and we'll get to both, but. You know, it should have been obvious even back when Colby handed Tina a million dollars. You know, he, he, Colby could have taken Keith. He could have beaten Keith, but he wanted to be friends and he let his emotions get the best of him. But, you know, people need to realize they're there with strangers. Yes, you, by that time, you've spent a lot of time with them. You're stuck with them for a bit over a month, but you really, don't have to see them again, except at like fundraisers and parties and all-star specials and, you mm-hmm. know, debating against them on, on Rob House podcast. <laughs> um, yes. But you know what I mean. So they should be treated as pawns in a game, not potential friends for life. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, even going back to the very, very first season, Sean, you know, remember Alphabet Sean? Of course, Dr. Uh, Sean. He was the last non-Alliance member to be voted off. Before his departure, he said these were the most conniving bunch of people I've ever met. He said there's not an honest one in the bunch. They're callous, cold, and duplicitous. He's right. He was absolutely right. And you know what? The most duplicitous one won. That's what you need to be. Um, you know, going, going alphabetically so you don't hurt anyone's feelings that didn't really work so well. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, that's something that uh, Josh and I have debated recently on the evolution of strategy of uh, that. I feel like uh, Dr. Sean was smarter than he let on because I felt like that he always was in lockstep uh, with what the bigger Toggy Alliance uh, was doing. And, you know, all of the Toggy people had their names at the end of the alphabet, whereas all of the Pagong people had their names at the top of the alphabet. So I felt like it was a good way for him to be able to look, you know, actually work with the Alliance, but make it look like he was sort of a good guy. Well, what's your read on Sean? Did you think that he was a, a goof or you think that maybe there was more than meets the eye? I, I would like to think there was more than meets the eye, but then where was, where was the rest of the plan? His plan <laughs> only got him so far, you know? Okay. So now he's, you know, the, the, the gonging is, is done. Uh, now what? Yeah. You know, he had no plan to carry forward. Maybe, Maybe he thought he could win a challenge or two down yeah. the stretch. I, I mean, I think that a couple of people like in the first couple seasons, like I think they're playing a different game than people are playing right now where it's like, hey, I'm on TV and I'm going to be, you know, a big famous TV personality. Whereas most people that go on Survivor now realize that 
there's a sort of like, I mean, you could like go ahead and have like somebody like Tony. Like if Tony played the game he played on Survivor 2, he would be, you know, a national, you know, superstar <laughs> celebrity and have his own show and stuff like right. that. And I think that people like Colby was like, ah, you know what? I could be seen as sort of like an unlikable person if I take Keith with me to the end. So let me go ahead and take Tina and maybe I'll win. Maybe I won't. But either way, I'll be a movie star and this will be and, you know, I'll be, you know, have fans and I'll be, you know, a famous person. Whereas the players who play the game now, it's it's all or nothing with the game. Like it's you're not there to gonna you're going to be the host of the view or something like that. Right. Right. Well, that'd be silly. Who would ever do that? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> they can't get um, anybody to stay the host of the View. They might have to get a survivor at some point again. Maybe they can get uh, someone who sings. You know, maybe Baylor would. So Baylor, Baylor, uh, and Missy. I think that would be good. Two go. different age generations on the View. <laughs> um, and you're right; they were playing differently. They, you know, there were people on there who thought they could be star. Didn't didn't uh, Doctor Sean? Didn't he end up on TV at least a guest appearance somewhere? Yeah, I think he does like a CBS medical stuff. I mean, I'm not. I have no idea what he's doing at this point. But I think for a while, I think he was sort of like a medical correspondent for CBS. Right. So he he did get something out of yeah, it. Jokes yeah. on everybody else. That's right. That's right. <laughs> jokes on Richard Hatch. Yes. <laughs> so. Um, you know, but I mean, we've seen that even more recently. Um, but, and sometimes a winner can be a nice person. Um, you know, Ethan dating, you know, going all the way back there. He's a nice guy. Uh, Natalie, Natalie came back. She, she, you know, made friends. Uh, she stuck with those friends. She voted off those friends and she won. So it is possible. Um, you just have to determine, you know, when the time is right. Uh, you can look at Fiji, you know, Earl had a good friendship with Yao man, voted him off. Um, uh, Parvati, you know, in Micronesia, Ozzy thought that he could count on her cause they were friends from outside the game. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much. Um, and of course, uh, you know, in the, the first blood versus water, um, Aris, thought that he could count on uh, Tyson and Jervis. Yeah. Uh, not so much. Again, you know, uh, Tyson uh, did what he had to do. Wine-sided Aris went on to win. So right. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Natalie also. And I, I assume you're talking about uh, Natalie Anderson, not Natalie yes. White, right? Yeah, sorry, the most <laughs> recent Natalie. Yes. Yeah, because she was really pissed when they voted off Jeremy, but she acted like she wasn't. She pretended that she was uh, totally with John Mish and muffin and all those people again it was like oh yeah i'm back with you guys but like silently she said i'm gonna make them all pay for voting out jeremy right absolutely that's kind of the the flip side of the you know friendship is the anger um you know just as you can't be driven by friendship you can't be driven by anger natalie bottled it up she she kept it and she didn't you know didn't act on it um there was uh, this guy who uh, was stuck with someone who was who was forcing him to be a firewood bitch. <laughs> um, and yes, you know, did did he get angry and do no. something stupid? No, no, he played strategically. Um, even later in the game, I was surprised because he was being verbally attacked by Jenna and Heidi, and still put it aside when when uh, you know Christie's vote was unreliable. Yes, so so. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, you just got to bottle up 
that anger. That was good practice for when I would later get married and then uh, yeah. be, <laughs> yeah, okay, honey, okay, yeah. <laughs> yes, okay. I wonder if married, married, do, do uh, married people have an advantage on Survivor for that reason? Oh, get Jason Somerville on the phone. Let's do a study, <laughs> do some research. Uh, I do think that older people, like I think that uh, people like in their 30s tend to do better on Survivor than people on, the, on their 20s just because they have uh, a little more life experience under their belt and those people probably tend to be married. So I think that just in a vacuum, I think survivors that are married probably um, do better than a survivor who is not married. Right, right. And, and, you know, it pains me when you call someone in their 30s older because, you know, when I started this, yeah, I was thinking that, oh, you know, that's the that's the stereotypical older survivor. I remember on your season, uh, Dina was the older woman. Yeah. And then I realized at the time I was the same age as her. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that was kind of painful. Yes. Um, uh, well, it, it, it's scary when I think about like, uh, you know, survivor, you know, they still have like some diversity in the ages. You know, it's rare to see somebody in their 60s on survivor, but they, you know, they'll still have people in their 50s. But, you know, as far as Big Brother goes, where, you know, somebody who's in their like uh, mid 30s, it's like, oh, you're the old guy in the house in the Big right. Brother house. Right. Um, so uh, some other um, things uh, relating to uh, anger and how to keep it inside. Um, I think uh, we, we might want to uh, talk about your your good friend and my fellow University of Illinois engineering alumnus, Jatia. Jatia, yes. Um, you know, the Brains Tribe clearly, clearly wanted to vote her out after she, you know, burned the rice. And they were angry with her. And they had good reason to be angry with her. But they put it aside just for a little bit to make a different move. And everybody at the time was like, are you kidding me? Um, but, you know, they had their, they had their plan. I mean, it didn't, didn't keep her around for much longer. But, um, you know, they put it aside so that they could work on the strategy instead of just reacting to the situation. Right. Um, so, you know, they just, contestants just, need to keep that balance and remain objective of, you know, you wouldn't, wouldn't let emotion win if you were playing Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune or Monopoly or, you know, anything like that. So don't, don't let it affect you here either. Yeah. And there's a lot of times where, you know, people just want to be spiteful also. It's like, there's so many situations where a person could have done a move that would have benefited them or work with a person that they don't like. And it's like, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't vote with them. I wouldn't vote with them. I'd rather lose than go ahead and uh, work with this person. And it's just so short-sighted. Right. I mean, we, you know, uh, Susan, the first season, Lex did it. Uh, Brandon weren't, wouldn't work with uh, Frank on his season. Yeah. Um, uh, I think you mentioned Andrew on Pearl Island. He wasn't even mad at a player. He was <laughs> mad at the producer because producers because of the outcast twist. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's a whole list of people who have done this. Now, uh, contrast that with, like you said, the way Natalie acted. Just bottle it up, move along. Now, what's interesting, uh, getting back to Natalie for just a moment before we close this out, is Jacqueline actually did allow her emotions to interfere. Because when Natalie saved her, Jacqueline wouldn't vote her out at that final vote. Mm -hmm. And so she... You know, Natalie did not fall prey to letting anger rule her. Jacqueline did fall prey to letting friendship override what would have been a better strategic decision. Yeah. So, you know, 
interesting how that can work out in a couple of people in the finals there. Okay, so don't let your emotions control you in Survivor and probably not in life either. Right, right. Yeah. Um, um, can I also add one one thing to that is also um, when it comes down to whoever wins reward or something like that, like there's a lot of times where if your tribe wins, don't go crazy celebrating. Uh, yeah. We remember the famous uh, top five baby incident yeah. <laughs> from Survivor Kagiyan. You know, uh, there's also lots of times where survivors like sort of go nuts when they win. Uh, a challenge like Troyzan in Survivor One World, and it really annoys some of the other players because you go because uh, you go so crazy. It really makes people want to beat you more. Then also, if a person that you don't like wins a challenge, uh, don't go crazy and uh, tell them off. Uh, like in Survivor All Stars, um, I think there's a good example of this uh, with your girl Sheanne. That she, when she wins the immunity challenge, it was at final seven and she wins and she's like, yeah, yeah, in your face. Uh, and then like, and then like Alicia also then tells, tells her off like, Hey, shut up. Uh, that's bad on both of them. Yes. Yes. And and maybe we should tell people why uh, she is, as you said, my girl, she Yes. Uh, for people who don't know. Yes. She, she quoted me, uh, in, her final words after she was voted off, she looked right into the camera and said, I schemed and plotted too much. Yes. And, uh, so, uh, um, so yes, I know, think that we, should, probably she should also, uh, look up the, don't let your emotions control you as yeah. in don't, <laughs> don't go ahead and betray your entire tribe because you hate, uh, Penny and Aaron also. Right. Well, you know, it, it might've worked if they had actually already done a, a merge. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I have think that they invited her back to All Stars just as guilt for having pulled that fast one. <laughs> no, I think they were hoping that she, that she would make another mistake. <laughs> so, like that. So um, so yeah, that uh, you know that that pretty much wraps up uh, that particular rule. Okay. Um, so the next one also goes. I mean, again, you know, some of these are linked. Um, along with bottling up your anger, you just you know, and this is the next rule, pretend to be nice and <laughs> also play the social game. Yes. Um, now as corollaries to this, which aren't a big deal anymore, but you know, we'll talk about a little later, keep your politics and your controversial beliefs to yourself because they're just, you know, a bad idea, but yeah, you got to pretend to be nice. You got to play the social game. And I will tell you that that subheading of play the social game, that was a direct result of, uh, uh, you know, uh, after a couple seasons, Russell, um <laughs> yeah so so uh, because you just yeah but um so people are just not going to become your allies if they think you're a jerk they think you're untrustworthy um or you know on the flip side if people don't like you and you make it all the way to the end uh they'll tell you to screw off you know as i said russell twice right afterward um you know you, you it's this strange game you know as we've we've said or as we know where you have to vote people off and still get them to vote for you at the end yeah and um you know perfect example jt was nice to people he, he was so nice that they didn't seem to mind when he voted them out right um and so they you know gave him the win you know, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, to use the, uh, uh, Will Wheaton as a, a saying on Twitter, you know, don't be a dick. 
Yeah, and it's harder than it sounds because it's like, well, I, I, everybody knows uh, to be nice, but you forget that you are going to be, you know, hungry, irritable, cold, wet, like all of the possible things that would make you cranky are going to be happening to you and in ways that you can't even imagine before the game starts. And so you really have to uh, try to keep this up. Um, I have watched a lot of Survivor Gabon recently and Randy and Corinne come to mind also with this <laughs> because at least Corinne does a better job of that. Corinne pretends to be nice uh, to you uh, for a while, even though she's being she's clearly pretending. Uh, Randy doesn't even pretend to be nice to you uh, for after too long. And that's a thing that makes people like, you know, want to want to burn you because if you've uh, not really you are even trying to make an effort to be nice, uh, people will do things like, you know, they try to, you know, not only like get you voted out, but also like try to embarrass you with a fake immunity idol. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And again, um, you know, coming coming back to you at the Amazon again, you know, you, you know, people were pissed off at Roger. You sucked his kneecap and did what you were told. Yes. Um, you pretended to be nice, but you worked behind the scenes. Uh, same with Dave. We heard you, you know, we on TV saw you talking about Dave, but you kept it telling us, you know, it wasn't out there for everyone else until he saw the show. I, I don't think Dave had a clue. Um, and again, you, you know, Jenna, Heidi, Alex, they thought you were a friend for life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. We still I don't know. Maybe are. you are now. We Maybe you are. are now, you know, yes. uh, but, but, you know, you, you, you tossed Alex. Uh, Jenna and Heidi just gave you a verbal vicious attack, and uh, then you uh, called them both half half wits when you voted <laughs> off Heidi. So, um, well, uh, look, <laughs> um, everybody's already trying to make you lose. You might as well not piss people off. Also, right. while you're there, like they're already trying to beat you. Like, uh, don't give right. them any incentive. Bullet and board material. Yeah, speaking of someone who gave incentive, by the way, just a slight. Side note here, you know, Jean Robert. Yeah, uh, he he decided the best strategy was to pretend to be more of a jerk. And <laughs> then, do we know he was pretending in well, China okay. to be more of a jerk. Well, okay, he would. He said that he he said he was going to behave better as the game went along and show that he had changed for the better. Mm -hmm. and, and oh my gosh, so. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's just justifying or rationalizing. Yeah, how, when he's talking he to was. James in the boat about the only thing better than a million dollars, I don't know if he's like if that's uh, him putting on a uh, playing strategically at that point of like, <laughs> oh, oh, let me try to trick James into thinking I'm really uh, uh, I'm really a, a, a jerk, but I'm really uh, I really uh, like I'm against what I'm saying right now. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. On the plus <laughs> side, you know, with John Robert Sounds not good. winning. If he, if he had won the million dollars, I I'm pretty sure he would have lost it by now. So <laughs> I don't know, and then made it back tomorrow, and then made it back, and then lost it. Yes, yes. yeah, living living the millionaire's life with no money. It's a so, roller coaster yeah. ride for John yeah. Robert. All right, so pretend to be nice. Uh, what about the part about the keeping the politics and the religion uh, to yourself? Okay, um, now I couldn't think of any recent examples of this, but you know, an earlier season in Africa, Frank. Yeah, he started a discussion blasting uh, gun control and the liberal media, you know, and right. 
And if, if you're going to do that, you have no idea what these people around you think. And odds are they're a pretty good mix of society, which means you may have just alienated half the people. Yeah. Um, uh, Peter in Marquesas was the reverse, or not the reverse, he did the same thing. He, he was going on about yoga to the point that people thought he was a fruit loop. Yeah. And, and seven you know, holes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, his, his holy speech or holy yoga. Yeah. Um, now, on the flip side, uh, you had Brian in Guatemala. Now, he was a non religious guy, but he was in a tribe with a bunch of rather outwardly Christian people. So he could have objected when they were doing prayers before meals and everything, uh, said, hey, leave me out of this. But no, he said, uh, you know, he just kept his mouth shut. He went along with it. And on top of it, he even managed to turn Blake into a target by goading him into saying things he should Blake. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, there are some people who know how to work it and some just they, they don't know how to keep their mouths shut. Yeah. Sophie, um, she got in coach's prayer circle and, and stuff and stuff like that. Um, what, you know, they had John Rocker last season and while he did not, uh, espouse too many of his controversial viewpoints, at least, uh, on the Island, uh, that unfortunately his history was not able to keep things, uh, to himself. And, uh, those things, you know, came to light in the game. Right. Right. And I mean, that's, I mean, and how much of that, it, it's out you know, yeah. Um, did Josh um, want to not want, you know, want to work with him anymore at the point where, you know, then he's learning what, you know, John Rocker had said in the past. And so, uh, it definitely still, still comes up, uh, here and there. I know Jeff Kent is somebody who has, uh, you know, very conservative, uh, views on things. And he certainly told us after he lost that, like, Oh, I would have had more money if it wasn't for Obama, uh, right. or to, you know, taking his cut of a million, um, but in the game, it didn't seem like that was an issue. You had a guy who, uh, you know, who is very liberal in Penner, uh, and that wasn't why they ever butted heads was over, you know, uh, you know, their viewpoints about politics. Right. Right. And I mean, you certainly know better than I do. Um, you have lots of time out there yeah. you're sitting around, you're talking, you're telling the same stories and I'm sure it's easy to, you know, kind of get tripped up and go down that path. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I play poker, I play poker with a different, you know, several different groups of people, some of them very conservative, some of them very liberal. And I hate when people talk poker at, at, at the, I'm sorry, talk <laughs> politics at the poker table Yes, because it becomes so uncomfortable. And if you're going to be playing survivor and it becomes that uncomfortable, you know, I can't vote someone off of the poker table. Yeah. Um, but you just. Again, it's another thing to avoid so that nobody has just one extra incentive to get rid of you. But see, in Survivor, in that situation that you're in at the poker table where people are arguing over politics, like I know like in Survivor the Amazon when Roger and Alex are getting into a very heated argument over you know gay marriage and whether a gay couple should have a baby or not. I know that I was loving it. And I'm like, oh, this is great. People are people are fighting over their uh, their values. Is there any sort of correlation on the poker table where it's like you get to see people uh, get into heated discussions with each other? Can you get a, a read on people because of that? Um, not that I have noticed. Um, ask John uh, Robert. Yeah, well, ask John Robert or, or Jason, Jason Somerville. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, I, it just, 
it, like I said, it just makes it uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, more than anything, because you're, you're sitting around with a bunch of people and, and uh, sure, it's a competition, but, you know, you'd like to keep it at least somewhat friendly. Okay. Um, and in your case, yeah, it's great when, when other people don't follow this rule and, you know, do argue and become, you know, put targets on themselves. So, so yeah, you just stay there in the background and, you know, let people uh, shoot their slings and arrows at each other. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, what's next? Now, next is an area where uh, you, you might have had a little bit of an issue, and that was uh, don't be too much of a threat. That's hard. Yes. Um, and, I mean, this, again, it's another thing that goes all the way back. The first one that I particularly remember uh, was Hunter in Marquesas. You know, I remember watching him. He's this hardworking guy. He's a likable guy. And his tribe full of lazy do-nothings vote him out. And we just couldn't understand it. We're watching, what are you doing? This guy was helping you. Well, he was a threat. And he also wasn't just lounging around like everyone else. Um, and uh, um, so, you know, there was a, a quote that one of the survivors gave me. He, he talked about another player. He said, he's smart, funny, and a very charismatic leader. It's a weird game where people's good qualities can actually hurt their chances. If he was a weirdo who was annoying, I would have wanted to keep him around till the end. Any idea who that was? <laughs> no. That was you. Yeah, who, who, I, <laughs> I said that about somebody? Yeah, you said that about Dave. About Dave, yeah. Yes. Um, so, and, and it's true. You know, their good qualities can hurt their chances. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, you found yourself on the bad end of that stick in All-Stars. Yeah. Um, so... It, it happens a lot with certainly the players who are good in challenges because you have to make that call. Okay. They're good for us when they're, you know, on our try before the merge, but you know, once we get to the merge, then they're going to, you know, could be winning. Um, and you know, some people worry, okay, well, if there's a swap, could he end up on the other side? Um, I think you just have to wait until they become an actual threat. You know, if they're on your tribe and they're winning challenges for you, you got to keep them around. Right. Once they get later, almost no one goes on a huge immunity streak just because of the variety of types of challenges that they have now. Um, So, you know, when you get the chance, you need to get rid of that person. Yeah. Um, Now, what that means, though, is that you're if you're weak at challenges uh, or if you have injured yourself. Uh, something like that, you know, that person becomes a threat to the continued existence of, of your tribe, your alliance. You know, back in uh, Guatemala, Jim hurt himself during the first challenge. Poor Jim. And, and yes, and his tribe mates sent him packing. Now, Amy hurt her ankle uh, several times, but she covered it up and she pushed through and people didn't know how much, you know, uh, how weak she might have been or how much she might have hurt them in the in the challenges. Don't you guys vote me out. I'll beat you down. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, cover it up, cover it up. Uh, right. And don't be a, uh, a liability. Um, you know, going to this threat thing, I think this is a really fascinating discussion on survivor because it's such a big shift that happens in the pre-merge versus the post-merge. And it's something that John Robert brings up in survivor China, where at the first vote after the merge, he says about Courtney, you know, Courtney is the biggest threat here because nobody's ever going to vote her off. 
And she's like, thanks right. a lot, John Robert. I want, of course, <laughs> you say everybody says I'm, the, I'm a threat now. Um, and he's like, but it's true. And there's just something so interesting that I think that happens where, um, like, if you don't vote out the person who's not going to get voted out after the merge, like before the merge, it's like the thinking is always like, oh, we're going to merge tomorrow. Better vote out the strong alpha male because then he'll win nine immunities in a row and win the whole season. And that's never happened before. But you have, you know, all these people like that go on to win, you know, whether it's a Sandra or a Cochran or something like that, that you don't vote them out the first vote before the merge. And then you never think about voting them out again until you get to the like final five. Right. Because they keep themselves, you know, low enough to the ground to avoid that threat radar. Yeah. Like um, people are so worried about the short term threat at that point, they forget about long term threat. And, and that is true. And unfortunately, I think in, in those regards, when you've got a vote coming every three days, there's got to be a lot of short term thinking. I mean, for them or, or people fall back into it, I guess is, is what I'm saying. You need to think both short term and long term clearly. But yes, a lot of it is just reaction rather than thinking proactive. Mm hmm. You know, and, and so many of these threats come up that people keep pushing back when they can vote out that person. Uh, oh, this person's winning too many immunity challenges. Get rid of them. Uh, this person won't, won't give us their word that they're voting for us. Get rid of them. Um, you know, this person uh, has too much knowledge and understanding of the game. You know, get rid of them, uh, Kelly Wentworth. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. this person's seen every episode. Right. Yeah, never say that when you get out there, by the way. Never, ever say that. Survivor? Oh, we're playing Survivor? Oh, I didn't know. Well, um, let me ask you that this upcoming season, uh, we have Max Dawson, who's the Survivor professor. And in his video, he said he's not that he won't lie to people and say that uh, about, about that he's not a, a professor who taught a class about Survivor. First guess, is that a mistake to tell people about that he taught a class and, and talk about how much Survivor he's uh, seen and knows about? Well, I guess my question is, you said he won't lie to people and say he's not. Does that mean he's volunteering that he was? Or I, just if asked, he will admit it. Well, he said in his preview video that he's not going to lie about the fact that he was a Survivor professor. Now, does that mean if he's called out on it? I don't know who would say to him, like, did you ever teach a class about Survivor? But I think that um, I read that as he's not going to be shy about his you know, super fandom of Survivor. And if somebody asks him, how do you know so much about Survivor? I feel like he would volunteer that information. Um, I think in most situations, that's a mistake. Yes. Uh, now, if on his particular tribe, there's a bunch of people, and we know that there are people, other Survivor fans in this uh, season. You know, we know that there are people from, uh, from the community who have listened uh, to you, who have... Uh, um, you know, been on uh, Facebook groups related to Survivor. If it comes out that all of this is the case, then he he's probably okay. Yeah, no, but that's how a do you point. find that out? If everybody else is keeping quiet about it, then you never have a way to find that out. Yeah, um, um, I know from my own personal experience in Survivor the Amazon, the people that I was with who were the Survivor fans, that was a thing that bonded uh, me to them. Dina was a big fan. Jenna was a big fan. Um, you know, there were lots of other people who, you know, weren't big fans of the show. And, uh, that was definitely something where it was like, you're a weirdo, you know, you like, like you're, you God, you're obsessed with this show, even on survivor all stars. 
Um, I wanted to sort of like, you know, fanboy out about like, hey, Sue Hawk, tell me about this. You know, about Boston Rob, what was going on with this? And the other survivors like got tired of talking about it. They didn't want to talk about Survivor that much. Like they didn't like Survivor as much as, as I did as a fan. Um, and that was something that was a little bit of a disconnect between me and them. So that's a good point that if you have other people on the tribe that are, you know, we know uh, uh, Shireen is a big fan of Survivor. Um, I think it remains to be seen how much, you know, the other people on the white collar tribe between the Tyler and uh, Carolyn. And so, you know, how much of a we I, I don't think Joaquin's a big Survivor fan. I don't <laughs> think he's sitting there uh, Wednesday nights. But, you know, if th- th- there are a number of Survivor fans, I don't think that there would be Survivor fan on Survivor fan hate crimes happening. Right. I agree. Except um, on message boards. Yeah, <laughs> that never happens on message boards. All yeah. the comments are always perfectly reasonable. Okay, so um, the fans, <laughs> I think, would uh, bond together unless it's a fans versus favorite season, and then in that case, they would all hate each other. Right, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. if they're not really fans, then that makes yeah. sense that they would hate each other. Yeah, yeah, but no one would ever put a not, non-real fan on a fans versus favorite season. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting to go back and look at. Like, do the people that are the big fans of the show, are they more likely to work together? And is that a point of, you know, uh, common ground that you find with people? Almost like, hey, I went to that college. You went to that college. Mm-hmm. Like, just like what you were saying when you talked about, like, scheme and plot. Find the one thing that you have in common and use that as a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, we're all the fans. We're all the people that love Survivor. Let's work together. Could that be something that people... Maybe it's uh, something that opens the door where you might not have anything else in common with some of these people, except for the fact that you are fans of the show that you actually are on. Yeah, absolutely. But again, the question is, how do you find that out without tipping your hand? I mean, Kelly, who knows? For all we know, Kelly tried that. Maybe that's how Kelly got found out, you know, and boom, she was gone. See, the thing is, Um, I think what you would do is if you were there, you'd be like, uh, like, uh, like, isn't this crazy that we're on Survivor? Like, yeah. Like, uh, do you, do you watch a lot of Survivor? And, and then you said like, unless everybody's sort of lying, but if you say, if people are like, like, uh, no, man, I watched one DVD they gave me before. And I have no idea what I'm doing out here. Like, okay. Um, but if somebody's like, oh yeah, I like it. I've seen it. Like, oh, what's your favorite season? And then you sort of like could, could open up the conversation there right. and sort of get a read on, on that sort of thing and find out just how much people are know, unless people are just being super coy. But again, I think that if you, were a big fan and you were talking to another big fan. I don't think you would be that coy with each other. Yeah. I mean, personally I would lie through my teeth, at least in the beginning. Uh, I would do so. Oh yeah. I've seen a couple episodes, you know, or something like that. Um, uh, but, uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a fan bar, you know, that, uh, yeah. radar for the fans, you know, you can tell uh, maybe you, maybe what you do is you need to have code words. Yes. Like, uh, did you see, you know, did you see the episode with Muffet? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's a whole different level of, of if you know who Muffin is. But I do think that just going going back to Kelly, if you are a super fan and you let it know you're a super fan to so the people who aren't a super fan, the Drew Christie's of the world who've never seen the show are not going to like that. Right. Um, I think this is something that alienated Cochran on his first season where he's like a super fan of the show and Ozzy's right. like... Like I, bro, I've been on the show three times and I've, I've seen four seasons, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, so that Ozzy doesn't want a super fan around. Right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's something to keep in mind. And, and again, yeah, like you said, you just have to kind of play it by ear and see, but I certainly wouldn't volunteer it. 
you know, I wouldn't get out there and, you know, if I were in uh, the professor's shoes, I, uh, it wouldn't be, you know, hi, uh, you know, people introducing themselves. Hi, I'm a lawyer. Hi, right. I'm an accountant. Hi, I'm a survivor professor. Right. If we you do know? one of these seasons where it's like, all right, let's do a little get to know you. Everybody yeah. right, say your first name and say what you do for a living. Like yeah. if we do that, that would be a, we say thumbs down on that. But in a one on one scenario, we say it's OK. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Carefully. OK. Uh, just continuing with, you know, not ways to avoid being a threat. It especially true, both. I mean, obviously, it's true throughout the game. But once you get near the end, as you said, you know, people point to them and say, "Oh, we can't take this person to the end. They're they're too well liked. They're too respected. They're too something." Um, and uh, you know, I mean, clearly, it it happened to you. Um, you know, why why did you lose? Well, because Jenna wanted to get rid of you, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, so it, it's difficult uh, to to do that, to make it all that way and still not be seen as a threat. You know, one person who did it successfully twice, uh, Sandra, of course. Right. Um, she just kept appearing weak all the way up to the end. She played up her weakness uh, to Russell the second time around. Uh, she, you know, he would talk about, ah, there's no way you're going to get even a single vote. And she would agree with him. Um, <laughs> And, uh, um, you know, and, and well, it didn't quite turn out the way Russell had planned. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you, you just have to somehow find a way to not make yourself look like a threat. Um, and it's hard. I don't have to tell you that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such a backwards game of like, you know, you try to be like, okay, so I've got to be smart. I've got to be strong. I got to be all of these things. The game is outwit, outplay, outlast. And then it's like, oh, and if you do it too much, then you'll get voted out for being too good at the things that you have to be good at to win the game. It's like, okay, so I have to suck it outwit, outplay, outlast. Yeah. <laughs> I can't suck too much or I won't make it to the end. Uh, it's very, you, you could make yourself crazy. Right, right. And that, I mean, that leads into what I have is the, uh, the, the seventh rule, which is kind of a, a voting strategy, which you have to alternate. You vote off the weak, then you vote off the strong, then you vote off the weak, then you vote off the strong. And, uh, you know, early on, it's the weak are the people who are going to hurt your tribe's chances in the challenges, or they cause divisions um, that will weaken the group through other means. Um, and so you want to have, you, you want to keep most of the time your tribe as whole as possible so there's less chance of you getting voted off early okay um and then once the tribes merge you know it becomes every man woman and alliance for themselves um you have to start targeting the strong as Mm -hmm. long as they're not part of your alliance um so your strong can have varied meanings some of which we've talked about already it can mean literally strong it can mean um people who can organize others. Um, it can, you know, just all those sorts of things that will be a threat to you. Once those people are gone, if you can get rid of them all, then you have to go back to voting off the weak. Uh, so you have no more unallied strong. The weak are the stragglers, the people you pick off, you know, way back in, in season one, uh, Jervis and Colleen called themselves the target and the sitting duck. Mm-hmm. And they were, um, you know, they, they were dead on because they were the unallied weak. 
and they were removed. Um, We see it, you know, from time to time now, except when those so-called weak players manage to worm themselves into an alliance, they find a crack. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want to prevent. You got to get rid of them before they can do that. Yeah. And somebody could go along and pick up all of these unallied stragglers and maybe create something different for themselves. Right. And that's, um, again, if you're part of the, presuming you're part of the main voting alliance here, the, the core, you want to prevent that from happening. And that's why you get rid of those people as you know quickly as you can. Um, but of course, if you're, if you're on the bottom of that, that, uh, core alliance, and again, it, you know, goes back to what we were talking about somewhat earlier of, you know, you have to know where you fall in, in that alliance. And, um, if you're on the bottom, then yes, you want to pick those people up. If yeah. you're on the top, you want to get rid of them. And if you're on the top, what you want to do is going back to what we were talking about in scheme and plot is that you want to have sub-alliances within your alliance to not let anybody in your alliance know they are on the bottom. Exactly. Otherwise, exactly. then, at this point, then they could pick up the bottom feeders, who are the weak, unallied stragglers, and then create their own thing, because those people are going to be like, hey, do you want to come in fourth, or do you want to go all the way to top three? Right, right. Exactly. And yeah. then, so once you do, let's say that you do have that you know, you, you convince people in your alliance that they're all coming with you. You get rid of the stragglers, then you have to get rid of the weak members of your own alliance, the ones who can be pulled out without completely fracturing it apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like pulling out, you know, cards from a card house without knocking the whole thing down. Now, you don't want to take out the, the people who could beat you in your own alliance at this point? Get down to final five, final six? Um, in my looking at it, I have that as next. Um, because sometimes the people who can beat you are also the ones holding the rest of that alliance together, hoping mm-hmm. to hold it together. So if you go with them too soon, um, you know, you might fracture the whole alliance and who knows where you end up. Yeah. I think it really so, depends on how, how the alliance is structured. I mean, uh, we have a couple of seasons in a row where we have sort of like a big alliance that ends up getting to the end and then sort of like picking, uh, people off. Whereas like in coach's season uh, in South Pacific, you know, he ends up going to the end with Sophie after they get rid of, you know, the Alberts and the and the rancher Ricks and the Edna's all the expendable people. But he leaves himself in the final three with somebody who is a viable candidate uh, to beat him in Sophie, whereas Kim Spradlin and Boston Rob and her in their seasons, you know, they got rid of sort of. Boston Rob gets rid of Grant, who was probably a threat that could have attracted the jury votes um, and goes to the finals with people who are the weak members of his alliance and like Natalie and Philip. Um, Kim, she ends up sticking with her core three uh, with Chelsea and Sabrina, who are also people that she could beat. So she could have beat anybody there. I guess she wasn't worried about anybody uh, t- taking jury votes away from her. But Boston Rob did take away the people who were, you know, one of the stronger players in his alliance. Right. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it really does depend on the situation. I, I mean, as I said, a lot of times the, the strong are also the well-liked and it's hard to get them before you remove some of the weaker, weaker links, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is somewhat, uh, 
case dependent. Yeah, I, I think you, mileage may vary on that right. part, I feel like. I, and I think, you know, what you were getting at is one of the most important points is you want to be better thought of than anyone else left with you in the final. So if the jury compares you to someone else and they like or respect the other person more, you're going to lose. Um, sometimes you want to be the most liked. Sometimes you want to be the most respected. Um, and uh, I actually have a, a more on that in, in, in a couple minutes here. But like in a very recent example, Kagian, Wu was never going to be the most respected player. Um, and the jury wasn't going to give it to him simply for being a likable guy. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out, you know, okay, who can I bring? Who can I get to the end with? Like you said. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I'll have a, a little bit more on that in a minute, but first I wanted to talk about, uh, these, I call my appendices here. Um, <laughs> um, one on idols. And I had to add this because idols, immunity idols are becoming more and more important. And it, it's like they're being given away like candy and, they're ridiculously easy to find from what we can tell. I mean, people find them without clues, you know, it's, it's almost gotten to the point of being silly. So, you know, two things you have to think of, what should you do to get one and what should you do? And, you know, for the first question, you should do your best to find any idol you can. And I know that that may sound at, at first a little silly, like, well, of course you could, but we saw the first blood versus water where people were throwing away burning idol clues. Mm -hmm. But under normal circumstances, and those definitely were not normal circumstances, um, any chance of getting an idol not only gives you a safety net, but it takes it away. It takes away the blindside effect of someone else having an idol. So you need to go for it. You need to do what you can do to get it. Um, Now, you get one. It becomes trickier. Um, and, and you have to go back to the third rule of being flexible because sometimes it makes sense to use it for yourself. Sometimes it makes better sense to use it on an ally. Um, and you just need to know when to use it. I, I will say, I think Natalie's use of the idol was brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, I, I know she said she can't remember part of it, but um, you know she had Jacqueline vote. She asked her about it in front of the whole jury, so it was clear whose idea it was, and then she saved Jacqueline. And, I mean, it just, that was a, a, just a wonderful use of the idol. Yeah. Um, but, you know, barring something amazing like that, you have to figure out, okay, when, when do I use it? Because you don't want to be voted out with an idol in your pocket. Um, you know, I, I, I mean... Yes, you may feel stupid if you use your idol and you didn't need it, but you're going to feel much stupider. Yeah, just <laughs> use it. you leave and you take it with you, let alone, uh, you know, maybe take a couple with you while you're at it. Yeah, yeah. and they're so um, easy to find. I mean, I, just play the idol, see what happens, be safe tomorrow, and maybe you find the next idol. Right, exactly. I mean, yeah, there are some cases. Live to fight. Right. Um, sometimes you're absolutely certain you're safe, but by all means, if you have any hint and, you know, you got to pay attention to what's going on around you at tribal council, like Natalie figured out for, for John, although John, of course, says he figured it out himself and Jacqueline says she figured it out. But I'll give Natalie the credit. Um, somebody figured it out. Yeah. Somebody figured it out. Um, you know, you just 
got to pay attention to what's going on around you. You, you know, you, you can't just stick to the plan. Um, That's not what Keith told me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, stick to the plan. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, so anyway, that, you know, I just wanted to have a little side note on, on the idol. Yes. Um, uh, now with this season, uh, it's to bring it back to survivor 30 survivors will have an opportunity that two people will get a chance to get a clue to a hidden immunity idol or to get a bigger bag of rice for the tribe. Now you are sort of, I'm not sure how they'll decide the two people, but you and, you know, random survivor X, uh, have the choice to get a clue to the hidden immunity idol or get a bigger bag of rice uh, for your tribe. What is the right move based on what we've learned from these rules? Well, that is a, there's a tough one. I would say in most cases, if the person seems trustworthy and I, I've, I've said, you know, it's hard to tell. I think you, you use that as an opportunity to form an immediate bond and you say, let's get this idol. Interesting. Um, because uh, they're starting with what six in yes. the tribe. Okay, you've already got two. You're you're halfway to a tie. Um, so you can pick up, you know, a couple more people for your alliance, and you're safe for you know however long it takes to get That's big. two votes. Um, which you know, hopefully, you won't be in a tribe that loses all the time. So, <laughs> um, well, just to uh, expand on that a little bit more, you know, I had been saying that I say. Take the bag of rice because I feel like uh, you don't want to, you know, it's so easy to find the idol anyway. Maybe you find it without the clue and you don't want to be seen as somebody who's potentially uh, a threat early. But the fact that you have an opportunity to, you know, get something going with somebody in a group of six. Listen, I know firsthand uh, how tough a tight two can be to break up in a group of six. Uh, This I know. And it happens very fast. So if you have two people together, you know, so a la Robin Amber in Survivor All-Stars, everybody just sort of like falls in around them, you know, because what are you going to do uh, to go against them? You have to have every single other person in the group at that point against them to, you know, because nobody wants to force a tie in a, a tribe of six to have a 3-3 three, three t- uh, tie on the first vote. So if you're two people and you're tight, all you need is just to get two more people on your side as opposed to the other four people have to get together as a block and vote against you. Well, and the other four people have, if, if they're going against you because they found out you've gotten the idol, they would have to go against you and risk you playing the idol and turning it back around on them. Yeah. It's a good point. Um, so uh, what do you going to do? Split the vote and go for a tie? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, like I said, I think unless there's something about the other person you're with that suggests to you, you know, they are not at all trustworthy. Right. And, and besides who needs a bag of rice? You could just trade for it later. Yeah, that's right. You know, they should give you more stuff to trade for. That should be the, the deal. <laughs> Pick up some seashells on the beach and trade them to probes. You that, know, that's right. It's like, uh, you could either get a clue to the hidden immunity aisle or six tarps and three flints, which is roughly the equivalent of six bags of rice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, okay. So, um, and then the, uh, the final, uh, appendix, if you will, um, talks about the jury phase specifically. So you've gotten there. Um, now what? Now what? And now what? Now. Some of this does extend back because one thing you should try to do is seed the jury. How do you seed the jury? Well, um, 
JT was a good example. He knew Coach was leaving, but he didn't vote for Coach. He let the other people do the dirty work. So Coach believed that it was that evil wizard, Stephen, who had turned on him. Yeah. Um, so I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the wizard part or that he had turned on <laughs> Both. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, even earlier than that, Clay had done something similar, too. He knew who was going. He didn't vote against that person so he could look at them later and say, hey, I didn't vote you out. Yeah, Penny. Um, yeah. Um, and then uh, a great one, <laughs> which probably will never be duplicated again, but uh, Ewell made a deal with Adam. Yes. You know, Adam knew he was going to be on the, on the jury. Uh, Ewell had already decided to vote out Jonathan, which Adam didn't know. So Adam says to Ewell, hey, vote out Jonathan before me and you'll have my jury vote. Okay. Ewell, how could you do that to me? Yeah. <laughs> how, could you, how could you not only vote me out, but promise a jury vote? <laughs> I, I didn't know Penner was getting on this call. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so that's one way, you know, and then of course, you know, just honestly, just being nice to people is another way. Uh, Parvati in Micronesia, uh, she had good social relationships with Natalie and Alexis. Uh, she, you know, helped them to get further and, and it, it helped them. They wanted to repay her by voting. Um, for her. And so, so it, you know, you have to think about that ahead of time as well. Yeah. Um, but once you do get to the jury, you need to know who you're going to face. You need to take the right person. Uh, you know, we've heard people say, oh, we want to face the toughest competition. No, no, you don't. <laughs> you want to win. Yes. Um, and, uh, um, so, so you need to bring a goat or a muffin, uh, or, or two along with you. Yeah. Uh, bring someone you can beat. Yeah. Um, and once you get there, unlike so many other tribal councils where the decision is pre-made, I think that some decisions are made at final tribal council. I agree. And so, so the, the jury arguments can be $900,000 important, you know, um, they need to be able to tell the jury why they should vote for you, why they shouldn't vote for the other people. Uh, you know, these votes can be decided by a single vote. Um, you know, going to JT again, he played the martyr. He, he, uh, he made his points to the jurors. He played up, uh, aw shucks country boy. He smiled. He was, you know, he was loved by all. Um, and, uh, as as you pointed out to me when when uh, I, I spoke to you after Amazon, um, on the flip side, Matthew screwed up his final arguments against Jenna. Um, and, and I think probably most people were already leaning towards Jenna. But but uh, what you told me was, uh, I personally also felt that Matthew had a very poor tribal council showing. His opening statements were along the lines of, "I have played this game with utter honesty and integrity." And his closing statements were, I have been deceitful and dishonest during this game. Uh, all in all, I felt the entire performance was inconsistent, whereas Jenna's responses, while not divine answers from the heavens, were more straightforward and truthful. Well, in fairness to Matthew, that that was the first final tribal council that he had seen. So he didn't really know exactly <laughs> how that was going to go. Uh, great. <laughs> um, 
I yeah. suspect there was at least one other person who it was the first tribal council, final tribal council they had seen. <laughs> Uh, I will, we, we don't need to expand on no, that. No, we'll, we'll leave that there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that being said, yeah, I think that you have to, uh, you know, get ready to own the game. You know, you, your people right. want it. People want to hear how you did it and not sort of like, you know, either apologies or so what do you want to hear? Tell me what you want to hear and I'll, and I'll, and I'll say it. Right, you, yeah, exactly. You need to know. Some people do want apologies, but you need to apologize in the right way. Yeah. And other people don't want apologies. Don't apologize to them. You you say, I'm here because I did better than you. Yeah. I needed, you know, I did what I needed to do. Um, and, um, you know, so you have some players who knew what they wanted, what the jury wanted to hear. Todd in China knew what the jury wanted to hear. And, yes. and then you have others who were the opposite. Amanda. Give Chris so, credit to in Vanuatu. I think yes. he gets forgotten. Yes. Um, yeah, he did that as well. And, you know, but on the flip side, you have Amanda who fell apart, not once, but twice. Uh, you know, she seemed incapable of explaining to the jurors why they should vote for her. Mm-hmm. She couldn't answer questions to make herself look, look favorable. You know, she, she essentially said, my alliance made me do it. Um, she looked broken. And you need to show confidence in your game. And she just looking at, I remember seeing her on TV and, oh my gosh, she just looked terrible. And then she did it again. (laughs) And that was the most amazing part was, was was she just, I mean, when, when Sari asked Amanda why Parvati deserved a million dollars more than Sari did. Yeah. Amanda should have said, I don't think she does. Uh, because I think I should, you know, beat either of you. Uh, and here are the reasons why. Instead, she gave reasons why Parvati played a really good game. Yeah. Uh, she made oh the my case. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> in fairness to Amanda, let me just be a little, a little fair to Amanda here. Um, and I don't know if she ever quite looks that bad, David. But as far as Amanda goes, she didn't get to see the final tribal council in, in China. She doesn't. She goes and plays uh, Micronesia before the finale of China airs on TV. So I don't think she know. I think she maybe she's like, boy, I think Todd did pretty well in that final tribal council. But she hasn't seen the video of it, and she doesn't quite know that people are going to say that Todd gave. She sat next to the person who probably gave the best final tribal council performance in history, and she could have been taking notes. Uh, as opposed to, she's like, yeah, I, didn't, I don't know if that went great. Uh, I'm glad I have a mulligan here. Uh, but she doesn't know why she it didn't go great. You know what I'm saying? Like, Russell has the same thing happen to him. Right. Where and- in Samoa, he goes to the Final Tribal Council, and and, and maybe he thinks he, he won walking away from that. He's like, damn, I just won. Uh, and then he goes into Heroes vs. Villains, like, I'll do the same thing again. Uh, and doesn't realize that he lost either. So it's hard without that sort of like, oh, I blew it. Oh, okay. This is what I need to do next time. Yeah, and you're you are right. I just in, in watching her in that China one, though. Like I said, and you know, it could just be the, the China pick, one is worse. Picking the shots. I mean, she looked like she knew she had lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas, like you said, yeah, Russell. He also went over two, um, and he didn't have that that benefit of knowing because I don't think his ego would have allowed him <laughs> to believe that he lost before the votes were actually read. Yeah. But he actually alienated the jury. He he didn't. Not only did he not try to win them over, he alienated 
people who might have otherwise voted for him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, even after, you know, after the second go around, uh, Colby told me, he said, the problem with Russell is he has an inability to show any humility. Arrogance is why he didn't get a single vote. This game is by design one where you need to get favor with those you vote out. And, and even Jerry. Now, Jerry is one that I have uh, not had a, not had a great uh, oh, no. writer, writer player relationship with, uh, <laughs> over time. But even she said, you know, Russell made it very easy for me not to vote for him. Uh, sitting in the final tribal council and listening to him basically belittle and slap every single one of us in the face. Not showing any gratitude, not being apologetic, not being respectful of all the people he had to oust. His arrogance just made me sick, and there was no possible way I could give him my vote. Um, so if I'm quoting Jerry, you know that you know she must have said one thing right there. <laughs> Why um, did you and Jerry have beef over the years? Oh, I just I just didn't like the uh, uh, the way she played the game, uh, the way she which came time up. which game uh, didn't you, didn't you like? Uh, well, the first one to start with. Okay. Um, and I didn't didn't like her personality. I didn't like, you know, afterwards she came out. And obviously, you know, this was before Twitter and Facebook and everything. It, yeah, her on Twitter, that would have been interesting at the time. To at the play. time would have been very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> she would have had 37 million followers. Yeah. Um, you know, but she, she did these interviews where she said things like, oh, any, any woman with, uh, you know, who tries to take charge is a bitch. And my, you know, response, that was always know any person who acts like that is a bitch. Uh, but, you know, um, and uh, so I was, uh, I, I will admit that uh, when she stormed off the stage on the uh, All-Stars reunion, I was among those in the audience applauding. Yes. Um, See, I, I actually, I probably have more of, a, of an issue with her storming off the stage on the All-Stars than I do anything she did in her first game. Because I feel like if she played her her game that she played in Australia now, I feel like people wouldn't even bat an eye. And, and that's possible. It's hard to place myself back in that position, what, 14 years ago? And I do feel like she did, at least in the pre-merge game, I feel like her game was uh, somewhat decent. Again, the stuff with Keith is not great in any era, but she did get there. She got on the beach. She made an alliance with, you know, with Mitchell and Colby and Amber and sort of had like sort of like a younger person alliance going. And it was ultimately, you know, that, you know, she she made some dumb comments at a tribal council and that really opened uh, Tina's eyes. And then Tina and Keith were able to swing Colby over. But I mean, I feel like she did get out of the gate knowing what to do in only the second season of Survivor, like pretty fast. And especially I feel like she was the first woman to really, you know, sort of be the head of an alliance on her own and sort of get something going. But I do agree about the grandstanding on the the all stars. Yeah. I mean, with me, it wasn't as much about her play as it was her personality. Mm hmm. Um, so, which, you know, obviously she showed at, uh, at All-Stars, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I feel like, that, if anything, I feel like that was more of an attention ploy than uh, than anything. Well, it might have been. I don't know. <laughs> did you sneak into the party after the All-Stars finale, too? I, I believe I did. Uh, yes. yes. Matter of fact, I snuck in with, uh, with uh, someone else who was with me and uh, 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 took, you know, got 
pictures uh, with, with all sorts of people. And what kind uh, of security do they have at these parties? Well, you have to have a badge, you know, and, and sometimes uh, people aren't using their badges. And Bob Crowley made you a, a fake badge? <laughs> That's possible. That's possible. <laughs> uh, the badges were not exactly high tech. You know, they're little plastic badges. But, yes. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, they, uh, we, we, we got ourselves in there. You know, there were enough people. Uh, um, I don't know. For all I know, you gave me a badge. I, I don't remember. <laughs> I think I'd remember if I was handing out <laughs> fake badges. <laughs> yeah. They did let us bring like 10 guests each because it was in Madison Square Garden. And it was like, uh, you know, 5,000 people there in attendance for that taping. Right, right. It for was, the party, I don't know what the... Uh, I mean, I feel like I had like eight or nine guests there um, myself. Like they really like... It was a lot different than the previous year. Yeah, and I think that one also, I think if I remember right, it took us a little while to get there. And by the time we got there, some of the people who maybe weren't as into the nightclub scene, uh, the loud music, the pulsing lights were starting to already trickle out. So they were happy to hand over their badges when they were done with it. Ah, got it, got it. (laughs) Well, Okay. All right. So So, what else on the jury phase? So, um, you know, just to to finish off with Russell there, he even admitted at the reunion, I, I didn't care about the jury. Um, and so you should and, care about the jury is what yes, you're saying. Exactly. And so, you know, sometimes it's obvious what you need to say. Sometimes it's not, uh, like I said earlier, sometimes they need apologies. Sometimes they don't, um, flatter them. Flattering them never hurts as long as you're, you know, not making it, you know, six inches deep in there. Whoa. Uh, but, uh, just flatter them and, uh, um, so that they want to vote for you. Oh yes, you did a great job, you know, but here's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, if I could expand on this also that, uh, just when we talk about the apologies and stuff like that, uh, blanket statements are bad. Like, uh, sort of like opening statements. Um, by the way, um, if I made you mad during this game, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, uh, that's, that's not good, but in to an individual, if I get up there, I'm like, David, I got to tell you, you really made me mad in this game. Uh, I think that's fine to, you know, give your apologies directly to, you know, what, Rob, let me apologize for that. You know, uh, be direct with your personalize your responses to people. None of this like uh, blanket statements to, to the group. Right. I agree. And I, I would. I would say that goes for life as well. I mean, there's one, there's nothing I hate more than when someone you're mad at someone and they say, well, if I did anything to upset you, I apologize. No, no, you're not apologizing because you don't even know what it is you did. Yes. That's a non-apology apology. If I, if you got mad at me because I did this, then I, then I'm sorry. Right. Um, so yes, that certainly carries over here as well. Um, and we're, comes in you know how to deal with the people and this again is just keeping your finger on the pulse you need to be able to figure out is this jury going to vote on a personal level or on a game level we've seen it go both ways we've seen people win because the jury just hated the person they were up against um even if that other person had better strategy and just don't know now you know going towards uh this new season with some people who it looks like there are more people who at least have watched survivor than there were on the previous season. Hard to have been less. That's uh, very true. Um, (laughs) Not since Borneo has there been less. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
you know, you would hope that they would vote on a strategic level. So therefore you focus on gameplay. Um, it, so it just, it just depends. Um, you, you, uh, you know, taking Russell again as a, a prime example of what not to do. You know, he had valid points, depending on what your opinion is of him and, and how, you know, the jury should have voted. There were tons of people who just were outraged that Russell didn't win. Outraged. I mean, yeah. the number of emails that I got personally saying, I am never watching this show again. Um, of course, I've also gotten those for American Idol, America's Next Top Model, everything else. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, just the number of those emails, because they thought the jury should vote a certain way. Well, okay, maybe they should have, but you as the player can't decide how the game is going to be played. Yeah. You can't play chess and say, well, you know, I want the rook to move diagonally. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do that. You can't decide how the jury has to vote. The jury will decide how they are going to vote. So if you're going to sit there and insult them, they're probably not going to vote for you, even if you played the best strategic game in history. Yeah, I think for people, they had to have him come back and then see him play the same type of game and do the same thing in front of the jury a second time to really wrap their head around, oh, maybe he shouldn't have won the first, the first time. Well, the, the emails I got, and I know they're, you know they're not representative, but I got you know, from people who thought he should have won twice and this just made it even worse. You know? <laughs> it made it wor Was it from yeah. Russell Hans himself? <laughs> well, uh, 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 I can't say that for sure. But <laughs> again, that was before Twitter also, I think, or at least before I was on Twitter. So, okay. I think it was. Does that sound right? But um, well, when you're angry, you need more than 140 characters. So email is the better way to go when you're really true. angry. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, the juries have gone back and forth um, and you just, you can't, again, you can't force them to do it a certain way. You have to take it into account. You can't just bull your way through, uh, to use a, a personal family anecdote. Okay. My kids, uh, were when they were younger and one of them still is in, in bowling league and they would go bowl in a tournament and go bowl in the tournament and the lane is oiled differently. It reacts differently. And they would complain and it wouldn't curve like it does in our home lane. And I would say, well, you have to adjust. No. They're not going to adjust. They would complain and they would keep throwing the ball the same way. And you know what? It had the same result. It didn't matter. It's the same thing in Survivor. You cannot tell them how to vote. You have to convince them to vote for you. You have to play their game when it gets to that point. Yeah. And that's really it. The good player at that point just needs to adjust to that game and to that particular jury. And that's, you know, that's how you end up coming away to win. Okay. All right. So should we recap what we've learned today? Uh, sure. Okay. Sure. So <laughs> if you're a Survivor 30 player and you, and you had a time machine, you can go back and start over again. <laughs> uh, you're going to scheme and plot. You're going to make right. sure you get there. You're going to find some people that you can work with, even if they're not the right people off the bat. Uh, you can adjust down the road. You just don't want to be when the music stops left with uh, without people to sit with. Okay. Exactly. Uh, but you don't want to do that too much. You want to take it easy. Uh, you want to, you know, be planning, but you could do a lot of that planning in your head. You don't have to let everybody know about all the planning that's ultimately going on. You don't need to necessarily let the people that you're going to be voting out know that they're going to be the people that got voted out. And just sort of, you know, plan, 
plot. Don't stop, but don't go crazy. Don't make yourself paranoid to the point where people can tell you're paranoid. Right. And you're going to be flexible. You're going to make sure to uh, keep things moving. If the lane is oily, you're going <laughs> to be a little different than if the lane is, is not oily. Uh, you can work with different people. Keep your options open. You want to have a lot of options on Survivor, right? Right. Yes. And you want to not be too emotional because you don't want to be necessarily uh, like a Spock, uh, although it worked for Yule. Uh, right. You want to sort of just like keep your emotions in check. If you're angry, you don't have to let everybody know. If you're happy, you don't have to let everybody know. But just sort of try to keep yourself uh, somewhat even keel. Uh, as you go through this, uh, you also want to be nice or at least pretend to be nice. Um, and that's the other thing with the uh, with the juries, with the apologies. Um, you don't have to mean it either. You know what? Uh, you know, uh, Randy, I really am sorry. I didn't uh, take that cookie uh, when you offered it to me. I, you know, I was really I was a real idiot that day. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, and then after they go vote, you're like, uh, you know what? I wasn't sorry. Just so you know, <laughs> I wasn't sorry at all. <laughs> and I had my fingers crossed. And so, I, I mean, I, I wasn't sorry. Uh, but yeah, pretend to be nice. Keep your controversial beliefs to yourself. Uh, you know, save that sort of, uh, you know, you know, AM radio talk for, uh, you know, when you want to start a podcast uh, when you get home and uh, leave it at that. Um, and then also we want to uh, vote off the weak and then the strong and then the weak and the strong. Or if you want vote off the weak, the strong, then the strong and keep the weak and go to the end. You could do that either way. Right. And uh, of course, in between that is, uh, you know, not being too much of a threat. So you end oh, up. Yeah. Being- I forget about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think you forget it so much as maybe mentally block it. I block it out. I block it out on the, don't be too much of a threat. Uh, and then finally, uh, when it comes down to the jury, uh, you got to read the jury. Got to figure out what they want. Give the people what they want. Don't be too pandering. Uh, we don't like pandering. Uh, but I say also individualize uh, those responses to people. Uh, and really, you know, um, don't do like a one size fits all with the jury. And also don't tell off the jury. <laughs> don't do that. It worked for Ethan when he told off Brandon. Uh, that's like one exception. But for the most part, you want to sort of like uh, really make your case, but be respectful. Right. All right. And that's how that's what all the survivors should know by this point. I mean, that instead of watching uh, all these seasons of Survivor, could somebody have just listened to this podcast? I uh, I I would say they could, but I would still advise that they they watch all the all the shows, too. Should they listen to this podcast first and then go back and watch the shows? Or should they watch the shows and then listen to the podcast? Listen first. That way you'll know what to pick up when you're good. Good. I like this. I like this. Uh, should Lynn Spillman send people a link to this podcast? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So there you go. So we, we've really, uh, figured it all out now. We're ready. That's right. That's right. We're ready. Uh, hopefully the, uh, the players of different colors are ready. Yeah. Well, David, I'm so glad that you are back, uh, in the fold here in the survivor community. Uh, I'm glad you, you took some time off to sort of uh, recharge the batteries. You had a little bit of a sabbatical. And look, I, I had a sabbatical from Survivor myself. There was a point where I was doing all sorts of Survivor stuff all the way through Cook Islands. And then for a couple of years, I got away from it. And then I came back and started the podcast. So I'm glad that you, uh, the David Bloomberg-less era of Survivor is over. 
<laughs> well, thank you for uh, bringing me back. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. You were back. You were back, and then I just reached out. Uh, so now you are on Twitter. I am on Twitter. Okay. Um, How could people follow you? It, it is uh, a fairly easy handle to remember. It's at David Bloomberg. You were able to get that? Yes. Yes. Look at uh, you. Not not too many Bloombergs, uh, other than you know the famous ones. Um, and um, yeah, it is spelled the same way as uh, as the former New York mayor. Um, so uh, uh, Bloomberg, that is not David, obviously. Yes, yeah, not uh, David Dinkins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so uh, in addition to tweeting, are you thinking about doing any anything else during the season? Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, you never know if uh, you know if someone invited me back, then maybe I uh, maybe I'd be willing to. Oh, you sound like me with Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe not me, but you sound like uh, a lot of the other Survivors about Survivor. Right, right. All right, well, uh, David, thank you so much for going going through all this uh, stuff with me. I know a lot of people, I'm sure the comments are going to be really flooded uh, with people who have uh, all sorts of great memories about the stuff that was on Reality News Online. So I hope you go ahead and and check out the comments as well. And, And thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you. All right, everybody. There you have it. That's David Bloomberg here on Rob's Podcast talking to me about what the survivors should definitely have learned. And we'll see just how much they learn when Survivor Worlds Apart premieres this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. 7 Central. And we are going to be live with Stephen Fishback at 9.45 p.m. Eastern Time to recap everything from the 90-minute premiere of Survivor Worlds Apart. We're doing it. This is happening. Survivor 30 is just around the corner. Very much looking forward to uh, reading what you guys have to say about this podcast. This was a lot of fun catching up with David. And not to mention the final part of our Evolution of Strategy series, my look back at Survivor Palau with Josh Wiggler. So there is... I think almost no way that anybody could be keeping up with everything we're doing right now. If you are, let me know. I'd be very impressed to hear if you're keeping up with all the shows we're putting out. Let me know in the comments. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye.